You're listening to Words of Encouragement, the preaching ministry from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Winsboro, Louisiana. Good afternoon or good morning to you. Today, passing the gospel baton, the passing of the gospel baton. Today, on Words of Encouragement. This morning, I want to talk to you about the passing, about the passing of the gospel baton. I remember watching those runners in the Olympics when I was growing up, and I found it fascinating how they would have that baton, and they would run as fast as they could around that track, and their partner had to be ready, and that partner would lead off running, so that runner wouldn't have to, you know, just throw it in his hand or stop, and he could keep running, and they could slowly just kind of pass it, and he'd, he'd have to run with his hand, hand behind him, and they would pass that baton, and I always thought that was very interesting, uh, and I thought it was also very easy until we did it one time in P.E., and I realized, my goodness, how, why is this so hard? This is ridiculous. I mean, all you're doing is passing it off. Well, yeah, well, you've got you, you to make sure that your partner up there feels it, knows it's there, and he can grab it. But many batons were dropped uh, in P.E., and I remember seeing that thinking, wow, this is, uh, this is not as easy as it looks on TV or in the Olympics. It's not as easy. A lot of focus goes into receiving that baton. Uh, it just doesn't, you know, it just doesn't happen so easily. Uh, when the baton is passed, it is no longer in the care of the first runner. The second runner has it. And it's very important that the handoff go well. It's very important that that second runner has a good firm hold of that baton and then takes off and runs with it. He can receive it, and then he can just start slowing down and stop, or he can continue running as he should be. But a lot happens. If the baton is dropped, then that runner is slowed down, and the race continues with others, but they're not, being able, they're not able to participate. Something similar happened in the Bible on a much grander scale a more life-impacting scale. Jesus had died. He had risen from the dead. The matter of the fact was that he was not going to stay on earth. Even after he'd risen from the dead, he was not going to stay there. He was going to sit at the right hand of God, his Father. But he was going to hand off the work of spreading the gospel to his disciples. To those who followed him, he was going to hand off the baton, the gospel baton to the disciples. If you're willing and able, and I ask that you stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God, we look at Matthew chapter 28, verse 16. The Bible says, But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated to them. May God bless the reading of His Word. May He speak to each of our hearts this morning. I invite you to be seated. First, I want us to look at some examples of obedience. Matthew tells us in chapter 28, verse 1, Now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, 
Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. Now this sounds like the beginning of an Easter sermon, doesn't it? <laughs> sounds like we're about, know, what, didn't we already do this? Well now, sit tight, sit tight, buckle up. <laughs> We've already celebrated his resurrection. An angel is there, though, at this tomb with these ladies, and they tell this this angel tells the ladies that Jesus is not here for he has risen, just as he said he would. The angel invites them to look for themselves, and they look and see for themselves he's not there. The body of Jesus is not there. Jesus is not there. The first act of obedience in today's passage. They looked, they were told to look. And they did. They were obedient. They were obedient. The angel then tells them, go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So what do they do? They perform the second act of obedience. And they head out with great joy to tell the disciples. As they're going to see the disciples, as they're making their way to the disciples, Jesus meets them and greets them. He gives them further instructions for the disciples. Look at verse 10. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and take word to my brethren to leave for Galilee, and there they will see me. So there's an in-between time from the time Mary Magdalene tells them and the time they make it to Galilee. This is nearing the last time that they are going to see Jesus. Scholars feel as best as they can figure it, this is the eighth appearance of Jesus after his resurrection. So what happens? What happens? We see a third act of obedience. Look at verse 16 again. But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus has had designated. Aha. So they go. They go. They are obedient to what they've been told to do. Examples here of obedience. We see, notice the 11, not the 12. Why the 11, not the 12? Ah, Judas. That's right, Judas. I remember, yes. He's not with them now. So they go, they're headed to Galilee. They heard the word from the women and they're headed out to Galilee. And here we see a fourth act of obedience in the lives of God's children. What's the point here? It appears as we look through the story of Jesus, there are many instances where God calls on people to do something and we see them being obedient to that call on their lives. And there are many, many acts. You're thinking, well, it was just telling them to go to Galilee. Yes, but obedience, obedience does not just encompass something big that God calls you to do. Obedience is in the little things as well. When God calls on you to talk to someone, when God calls on you to hold your tongue and not say something that is mean to someone else, He's calling on obedience from us. He's calling on us to obey Him. And you and I have got to get to a point where we are listening to God and we are obedient to Him. It is so important, especially in this day and time, for people in this world to see people who are obedient to God 
no matter what. No matter what, obedient to God. We believe. We're going to march forward. We're going to believe in God. We're going to trust in God. We're going to lean on Him. And we're not going to waver. Obedience. There should never be any hesitation when God calls on us to do something. I know we do. I, I'm, re, I'm not, you know, I'm not living in a fantasy world. I know that we hesitate. But there shouldn't be hesitation when God calls on us to do something. The person's obedient response to God's word is a response of trust or faith. So to really hear God's word is to obey God's word. In order for a person to be obedient to something or to someone, they must first trust in that person. If you're, going, you, you're not obedient to those that you do not trust in. You're not obedient to those that you do not trust. Think about a small child. Most children will not obey someone they do not know. Have you ever done that? Have you ever run into a little child and you say, oh, come here. And they're looking at you like, mm-hmm. You know, maybe they've taught. Maybe they were taught stranger danger. You know, I don't know. But you, you, you look, and they're. They don't. What is the deal there? They don't know you. They don't know you. They have no relationship with you whatsoever. They're probably not going to engage you very much because they don't know you. There first must be a relationship with the person before a child will obey them. Same with us and God. If we have a relationship with God and He calls on us to do something, then we ought to just go do it. We have a relationship with Him. We trust Him. We know that He's not going to lead us astray. We know that He's not going to call on us to do something that is contrary to His Word. We know He's not going to do that. We can trust Him. And when He calls on us to do something... He needs to find us obedient to Him. Jesus said in John chapter 15, verses 14 and 15, You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. Slave does what he's told. But no, Jesus says, I've called you friends. I'm sharing with you what my Father has shared with me. We're all on the same page here. This is not a God telling you, you, well, you got to go do this. You, got, you better do this. Well, I don't know why He would ever call on me. No, or, well, I'm a slave to, to, to God, and then I've just got to go do it. God, is, God lets us in many times on when he, when he calls on us to do something. Just think, think missionally. Think about what the big picture is. God sending out the gospel around the world so that people can hear and trust and believe and receive. This is the big picture here. So when God calls on you to do something and you don't understand, well, maybe you really do. Because God is all about sharing the gospel. And so when He calls on you to do something, it's going to be gospel related in some form or fashion. You can bet on that. 
Because God wants to use His children in this world to spread the good news. And so when He calls on you to do something, well, it must be about the gospel. I must go and do it. God has called on me to do this. I want to be obedient to my loving Heavenly Father who cares about me and who knows what's going on in my life. I will be obedient because I have a relationship with Him. I wonder many times if the reason so many Christians do not obey God is because they truly just do not have a relationship with God. They do not trust Him. That is a big issue. We've got to trust Him. The question I leave for you after this first point is, do you trust Him? Do you? Because if you do, you will be obedient. Oh, I think there's a hymn. (laughs) Trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Wow. Those are some good words. Biblically based words there. Wow. Do you trust God? The second thing, obedience leads to mission. Look at verse 17. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some were doubtful. They met him at the mountain. They worship him. This is not the mountain from which he ascended. That happened 40 days after he rose from the dead. But notice also here, it says some doubted. Some doubted. Oh my goodness, what in the world? Are you kidding me? You're looking at Jesus? You're doubting? <laughs> what is that? How, what in the world is going on here? The word translated doubt does not denote a settled unbelief. As if, oh no, that's not him. Uh-uh. It's not Jesus. No way it's him. Some imposter. That's not what this doubt Means That's not what this word means. This word is a state of uncertainty and hesitation. This is a doubt of, I'm not sure that's him. I think it may be. I hope it is, but I don't know. I'm not sure. Now take that and write that down and tell somebody that's what that means. <laughs> but that, that, I, I wind up using more words to define a word than uh, all the time because I really want to make the point. And sometimes you just have to use a lot of words to make the point. But this is what this is. This is, I think that's him, but I'm just not sure. But I really hope it is. I want it to be him, but I'm just, not, I'm just uncertain. I just, I just don't know for sure. This, these are the ones who approached, and these are the ones that were doubtful. They were, I, I, I don't know. I just don't know for sure if this is him. And these were a portion of the larger group of people, uh, scholars feel, who were following Jesus. It seems also that Jesus appeared at a distance. At a distance, which would have made doubting, you know, some doubtful, simply because they weren't sure they couldn't make out if that was Jesus. Now, you and I know that sometimes there are certain people in your life, uh, there's a step. If you hear the step, I know who that is. You, You don't even have to have your eyes open. You know who that is coming down the hall. Maybe you see someone from a distance, you're watching how they walk, you know, I, I know who that is, I know who that is. Uh, but these were, th- these, these were some who were just not sure, don't know about this. Uh, maybe it was because of the distance. Look at verse 18, it says, and Jesus came up and spoke to them. There you go, 
he came up to speak to them. So he is at a distance at some point. So there is some doubting as to who is, is this really him? He came up, he's, he approached them, uh, and he comes up to them. In one sense, of course, he always had all authority. Look at that. It says, uh, Jesus says in 18, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Here he's speaking of of authority as head of the new creation. Since his death and resurrection, he had authority to give eternal life to all whom God had given to him. He always had power as the firstborn of all creation, but now that he had completed the work of redemption, he had authority as the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. So he, oh boy. This is Jesus. This is the Christ. This is the firstborn from the dead. As head of the new creation, he then issues the Great Commission, containing standing orders for every believer. The time between the rejection of the king and his second coming, that's our time. That's our time. That's our time. The time between uh, the rejection of the king as he died on that cross, and the second coming of the king, this is our time as believers. This is our time to shine. This is our time to share. This is our time to carry on the work of the gospel, to accept that baton, to grab it and to run, to go and to tell, tell this world who Jesus is. That is our responsibility. Look at verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The baton of the gospel is passed to his disciples here. As you're going, as you go day to day, as you are leaving, as you go, make disciples. Make disciples. In this passing, there are three commands given. The first one being, make disciples of all the nations. Others are to be followers of the Savior. The second is to baptize them. Baptize them. In baptism, a person publicly identifies with God. It is a picture of what has happened in their heart. And they publicly identify to the world, with Christ to the world. They say, look, I'm walking with Jesus. I'm walking with Him. I've been baptized in His name. I'm walking with Him. The third command is to teach new believers what Christ had taught them. This command goes beyond just telling them the gospel. It includes helping them to obey the commands of Christ. Oh, it's very important that, we've, that we listen to God and we look and see the commands, those imperatives that are in the Bible that tell us, go, do, say, be Live, love, I mean all these commands that are in the word of God. Make disciples, baptize them, teach them. The disciples are to teach them to be like Jesus. To make disciples is not complete unless it leads them to observing Jesus' commands. I mean that has to happen. Oh well I got bad, look I accepted Jesus. I accepted him into my heart. And as a little boy once said uh, to me, I want to be baptized. And, he, and I've been baptized, 
All right? And I, I have Jesus in my heart. I've been baptized. And I go to church. And I go to Sunday school. And that's, there you go. That's about it. No, that's not about it. There is so much more to living the Christian life. There's so much more that many, many people miss out on because they do not simply follow the commands of God in His Word. Oh man, look, following those commands of God, being obedient to the commands of God, helps us to become more like Jesus. That is what God is trying to do. In the life of every believer, he's trying to mold you, mold me, to be like Jesus. Now, some of you have made it further than, than me. Some of you have got a beard. You know. No. Obviously, not physically, physically like Jesus, but those principles, the way he lived when he was here on this earth, who he is, wow, who he is in himself. <laughs> we are to be in Christ. And when we are in Christ, that means we are like Christ. That means we see the world like God sees the world. That means we treat people like God treats people. It, it flows in us. It becomes who we are. We become more like Christ as we are obedient to His Word. It's so important that we understand this. It's so important that we teach people to observe the commands. And, and look, that, look. That is not me saying to you, you better straighten your life up. You, oh, look, you know what? Listen, God's word says this and you better do it. That's not, that. no, 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 no. This, this would be me saying to you, do you have a copy of the word of God? And you nod. And this is me saying to you, then it's time to read it. It's time to look into it. It's time to allow God to speak through it. Through the, through the power of His Holy Spirit and touch you, touch your heart and change your heart and make you more like Christ. That's me, this would be me saying that, not saying, oh, 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 I found a place where you went against God's Word. Let me show it to you. <laughs> do you really want, do you, would you want me to do that with you? Would you want me coming to your house and saying, well, I saw that you, uh, I heard you talking about somebody, and I, I think that falls into gossip, and I think, let me show you where you're wrong. Boy, it's time to find a new church, isn't it? You wouldn't put up with that. You wouldn't, honestly, you wouldn't put up with that. You'd think, something wrong with that guy. Either you would be, either you would be a Baptist who ran off to another church because you were offended, or you'd be one of those Baptists that, you know, hey, started a coup. You know, you started you know, started rounding up other people. Has he done this to you? Has he told you? Has he done that to you? Oh, he has? Well, then we need to, it's time that he leaves. And that's sad that there's even Baptists like that. But there are. I mean, they, they you know. There's people. As long as there's people in the world, as long as there are people doing what they want to do, there will be people who do things that aren't right, aren't correct, aren't, are ungodly. I mean, that's just the way it is. But look at this. We are to obey the commands of God. And I can stand up here and tell you that. And that's about it. I'm not an enforcer. The Holy Spirit is the enforcer. The Holy Spirit is the one who convicts you. The Holy Spirit is the one who says, hey, what are you doing? Hey, you know, you really need to, st- you need to think about this. You need to slow down. You need to, you need to remember what, uh, what God's Word says. The Holy Spirit does this. Praise God, I don't have to. 
Because that, that would be my full-time job. I'd be running around all the time telling people, Oh, well, look, oh, I saw where you, uh-huh, you, you're supposed to obey the law to the land. I, I, saw, you, I saw you speeding. Uh, uh, yeah, that gray pickup truck on the way to Monroe this week. Woo, 90 miles an hour, literally 90 miles an hour. Don't ask how I know. All right, moving along. Each time, this is so important though, each time a person accepts Christ, it, it, I wish we could picture, I wish maybe somebody could paint a picture. Maybe Margaret Ellerman could paint a picture. Every time someone accepts Christ, here's Jesus passing that baton to the new believer. Here it is. Go, go, go share the word. Go share the word. Here it is. The passing of the gospel baton. If there is a trust and faith in Christ, then there is an obedience to his command. And that's found all through the Bible. When it comes to us today, how do we fare? How do we do today? Are we doing a good job? Are we doing okay? Have we picked up the baton of the gospel? Are we sharing the good news? Or have we dropped the baton? Have we dropped the baton? Have we said, well, you know what, I, Brother Craig, I know I'm going to heaven. I know I'm going. I've accepted Christ into my heart, into my life. I know that, uh, that, that He's forgiven me of my sins. But then it gets a little murky. Is He in control of your life? That's part of being a child of God. Following the directions of the Father. Being obedient to our Heavenly Father. That's a big part of being one of his children. Throughout the years, I've watched families, and I've watched those families when I was growing up in the church. And my father was a good shelterer of private matters which belonged to others. I never knew much at all what happened in other people's families that was bad. I just thought everybody in the church I grew up in was just an angel. I just, they're all they're the saints of God. Here they are. And I looked up to every single one of them. And I don't fault my father for that at all. He wanted me to think that way. He never said that to me. He just modeled it. But I remember one time. When one of the youth in the uh, youth group got in trouble with the law. I, don't, I, I wasn't even aware of what he did. I don't even know to this day what happened. But I know he got in trouble with the law. And I thought, my goodness. Wow. We have, you know, we make poor decisions sometimes. Sometimes we mess up. Sometimes we do things that we shouldn't do. And I thought, well, my goodness. Wow. For that moment that he was in trouble with the law. I mean afterwards I've never heard him about anything he's ever done again. I don't even think he served in jail. But he got arrested. He was there for a little while. During a part of a day. But I thought my goodness. what Things like that affect the passing of the baton. Things like that affect the sharing of the gospel. Because people look and say huh. Well, they messed up. Yeah, but did they make it right? 
This young man evidently did. Did he get on with his life and do well from that point on? Yes. It's very important how we receive that baton of the gospel. What we do with it. We must share it. We must be obedient to God. We must be obedient to His call on our lives and go and share that gospel. People need to know. People need to hear it. And as I've said so many times before, you don't have to preach at somebody. You simply just tell them the gospel. Tell them what happened to you. When you accepted Christ into your heart, what did you do? How did that happen? How did that go down? If you've never written down your testimony, take some time to do that. Take some time to get it in a format where you're comfortable with it and you can share it and you can say, hey, look, this is how it happened for me. It may not be how it happens for you, but this is how it happened for me. And this is, how, this is why I am the way I am. This is why I, I am not home on Sunday morning at this time. This is why I am the way I am. I've accepted Christ. I worship Him. I try to listen and obey the voice of God. It's what I try to do. I encourage you not to drop the baton, the gospel baton. Pick it up. Pick it up. Share the good news. Do you trust God? Do you trust Him? Part of trusting Him is obeying Him. Pick up that gospel baton. Share the good news. People need to know. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the love that is in your heart. Oh God, I pray that we will, Lord, that we will remember that same love that is in your heart has been placed, actually your word says, poured into our hearts. And so Father, if your love has been poured into our hearts, your love for mankind has been poured into our hearts, then our eyes and our ears need to be open to those around us. And we need to be ready and willing to share the good news. Maybe somebody is here this morning, they've never trusted in Christ. Maybe you're here this morning, you've never done that. You've never said, look, I, I need to settle this. I need to ask God to forgive me of my sins. Maybe today is the day you need to do that. And to have Him come into your heart to forgive you of your sins and be in charge of your life. Would you do that today? Maybe you still have questions. Maybe there's some things you just want to talk about. Hey, look, I'm here. I'm here all week. At least till Thursday this week. If you need to talk, would you do that? Would you stop by? Call me. Lord, we thank you for the great love that you displayed on the cross. And Father, we're thankful that that love continues down through the ages and touches our hearts even today. And that the saving power of what happened on the cross, the, the provision of that of salvation that you provided is still available to anyone who believes, anyone who trusts and believes. Lord, we thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to Words of Encouragement, the preaching ministry from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Winsboro, Louisiana. It's good to have you listening today. I hope that you're staying tuned and uh, are enjoying these times of encouragement for you. Uh, I do hope that, uh, listen, if the Lord has given to you the message of the gospel, you have received it, 
then it's time for you to share it with someone else. That's how it works. We share this good news with others who need to hear it. I pray that you know someone who needs to hear it. I know that you do because there are people all around us in need of the gospel message, in need of the love of God, in need of His forgiveness. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can go to fbcwinsboro.com. That's fbcwinsboro.com. And on that website, you'll find answers to your questions, uh, even something for your children. And so just, again, that's fbcwinsboro.com. We'd love to uh, hear from you. You can contact us through that website. Uh, We'd love to hear from you and get to know you. Uh, And if you're ever passing through Louisiana, uh, you may be on your way to Baton Rouge. Uh, You find yourself on your way there. You're probably, more than likely, if you're coming from Monroe, uh, are up north in, of Louisiana, more than likely, if you're on our side of the state, you're going to come right through our town. We'd love to get to know you personally. Stop by. Stop by and see us. We're located at 502 Highland Street in Winsboro. Uh, remember, you matter to God and to us right here at First Baptist Church of Winsboro. <laughs>